This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is missionary Jeremy Lin. Have you ever ordered something or paid for something and then you didn't receive it? Have you ever, maybe you got online and you went to some place and you ordered it and now you're at home, you're waiting to get your, your thing that you purchased. My mom, uh, recently, she went online and, and ordered a, a slide that would go into her pool, uh, an inflatable slide for my nephew and niece that live close by to her. And then she got the message saying, oh, it's out front. She goes out to her garage and where is it? Sometimes they put it behind a car. Sometimes they put it in weird spots. So she's searching her whole yard. Where is it? Where is it? It's not there. She's like, I purchased this. They said it's here. Where is it? She never received that. Have you ever purchased something and never received it? Why would my mom expect what she ordered? Why would you expect what you ordered? You paid for it, right? You paid for it. I think we find a principle in that. The principle is payment deserves receipt. It demands it. Right? If you pay for something, I better get what I paid for. Have you ever not gotten what you paid for? There's another, another thing I want to consider this morning. Gifts. When you get a gift, what happened? Somebody else paid for it. And then they gave it to you. So, I received recently a gift. Anybody like pocket knives in here? I got some yeses in there. I was able to go visit my oldest daughter, Juliana, with her husband, and it just so happened to be Father's Day, perfect time to go, and they took me to Bass Pro Shops, and they spent money on a knife. This is a Benchmade knife. If you are a collector or you like knives, you know it's not a cheap knife, but it's a high-quality, good knife. I Even when I closed it, the way it feels, feels like quality. But I got this gift. And what do I know? Gifts come at a price. They're not free. Somebody pays for it. So it was a joy to get this knife. And I, I'm excited to receive gifts. Of course, it's more blessed to give than receive. I enjoy giving gifts. But I also like getting gifts, but I need to know when I get that gift, it costs something. And of course, I'm not talking about gifts from man this morning, right? We didn't come here to talk about gifts we get from man. We want to consider Jesus' gift and the payment that he made for, I hope, your salvation. The payment he made for your redemption, your restoration. He purchased you out of slavery from sin to a restore that relationship with him, right? Out of slavery. You were standing in the line with slaves to sin, and he said, I want that one. And he purchased you out of that so you could live a life for him. And I would suggest to you this morning that the payment Jesus made means he deserves what he paid for. Do you believe Jesus should get what he paid for? Do you believe that? So I mentioned a few minutes ago that we have a Bible college class. 
And one of those just happens to be my favorite class, missions, evangelism, and discipleship. I told the guys, okay, this is what my degree is about. I went to Bible college for this class. And as we went through the class, we began to figure out what does missions mean? What and how is that different, or if it is different from evangelism? And then how does discipleship fit into all that? And so we really wanted to know, should the gospel be taken to all people groups, to every people group? Is there certain groups of people that deserve it more, or certain groups of people that don't deserve it, they're really bad, or is the gospel for every people group? And of course, our minds usually go to Matthew 28 and 18 through 20, and it's the great commission that we are to take and make disciples of all nations, right? And as we were doing our study, we found that there's other people that take that text and say, well, in the Greek, it can mean like a specific people group. So I, I asked the guys, is there somewhere we can go in Scripture that confirms it's all, or does it tell us, nope, it's select? And we found ourselves in the book of Revelation. And that's where I want to go this morning, the book of Revelation. We're going to be in chapter 5. And I would suggest that this verse, or not suggest, I would say that this verse confirmed in my heart, again, that Jesus died for people from every people group. And I would suggest that this verse does that emphatically. So, I, I know we have it on the screen, but don't, don't change what's on the screen. I, you know, as we study Scripture in Ethiopia, we try to really focus on who wrote the book, who was he writing to, why did he write the book? And we try to answer those questions each time we go through a study in Ethiopia. Why? We're trying to get people to ask those questions every time they go to God's Word. And if you look in chapter 1, we find in verse 4 that John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, who's writing the book? John. Who's the author? God. Who's writing it? John. Who's he writing to? The churches that are in Asia. And if you go over again to verse 9, I, John, who also am your brother, he's writing to these churches. He's a brother writing to brothers. So we know this is for who? Believers. And then verse 11, it says, he heard this voice and it said, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna and unto Pergamos and unto Thyatira and unto Sardis and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea. So John, because God's telling him to, who, who told him, whose voice did he hear? The Alpha Omega. Who is the Alpha Omega? God. Jesus. Uh, some years ago, I was teaching a, a college class at our sending church, and this one gentleman who, I, I would say a gentleman, he was a college student, a young man. He wasn't a believer. He'd been coming to the church. We had been witnessing to him, and one night he goes home into his room and he reads verse 11, and it clicks. God, through his word, said, I am the Alpha and Omega. He realized who Jesus was in that verse and trusted Jesus as a Savior. Amazing how God will speak through his word. So we have John writing to these seven churches, and, and he has this message from Jesus to these churches. And 
we begin to see that he starts to talk to the churches in chapters 2 and, and chapter 3. And, and I go over to chapter 3. And unto the angel of the church the write to Laodiceans. Have, are you familiar with the church at Laodicea? Have you ever heard of the book Colossians? It's a, a wonderful book, right? We know it's to the believers in Colossae. It just so happens that Colossae is at the foot of a mountain. And at the foot of this mountain, they had streams of water flowing. And it would be snow melting and the rains coming through that snow and coming down. And they would have really good cold water to drink in Colossae. So much so that the city surrounding the area knew about this cold, refreshing water. One of those cities close by... Laodicea. And in this book, we have John writing to Laodicea. He hears this message in, in verse 16. So then because, or verse 15, I know the, thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou work cold or hot. I want you to be cold or hot is what is being said to the church at Laodicea. What does that mean? Be useful. Cold, refreshing water. Man, on a hot day, how useful is that to your to your body. Cold water is useful. What about hot water? Hot water. Hot water. You boil food. You cook with it. Useful. I would rather you be useful than where you are right now, Laodicea. And so John continues to write to the other churches, and we're making our way now to uh, chapter 5. But in, in chapter 4, we begin to be introduced to heaven. Verse 1 of chapter 4, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first, the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me. Have you ever heard a trumpet? It's loud. My brother played the trumpet in high school. Learning the trumpet, it's not always a beautiful sound. This trumpet he heard, he says it was like a trumpet talking to me. The voice that I hear which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which, you must, must, which must be hereafter. These things that must be hereafter were introduced to the throne room of heaven. That gets us to chapter 5. I know a lot has happened in those uh, first four chapters. We don't have time to go through each one. But let's go to chapter 5, verse 1. And John says this, can you imagine John? I know we just imagine John for a minute. He's having a good day. Now he's having this vision, and now he's trying to write down what he just saw, I'm trying to explain it to us. He says, I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. See this scroll, and it has these wax stamps on it. It's holding it together. Nobody can open it. Only the right person, the chosen person, can open this. Nobody else. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? Who deserves to do that? Who? And then John says, And no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. Who deserves to open that scroll, to break the seals? 
John says, no one was deserving of that. How did that make John feel? How did John respond to that moment? Again, trying to imagine him, trying to just, this is what I'm seeing. I'm, I'm seeing the throne room of heaven. I've, I, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with what I see. And this angel says there's this scroll and somebody needs to be deserving and worthy to open it. And there's no one. So how does John respond? And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. John breaks down and cries. Nobody deserves it. Nobody's, a, it's, nobody's that worthy. He was overwhelmed. But what happens? Verse 5. And one of the elders saith unto me, like they grab his arm, weep not. Don't cry. Why? Behold, the lion, the ambassa, and I'm hard. That's how we say lion. Ambasa. The lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David. What? Hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. There's a lion in this room. He is able to do it. So John's like, oh, where is he? Where, where's the lion? Where's the ambasa? Where is he? And then John turns and he says, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a book. That's how we say lamb in Ethiopia. There's a lamb. I'm looking for the lion. Where's the lion? This courageous animal. Where is he? I don't see. There's the lamb. As it had been what? Slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and he took the book. The lion, the, 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 the root of David, the lamb of God, goes and takes the scroll. And he took it out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And what did they sing? They sang a new song. A new song saying what? Thou art worthy. They looked to Jesus the lion of the tribe of Judah, the slain lamb for our sins. And they say, they sing worthy, deserving are you, Jesus. Deserving are you to take the book, but not only take the book, to open the book, to break those seals. You deserve this, Jesus, they sing. Why does Jesus deserve to open this scroll and cast out judgment on those who do not believe? Why would Jesus deserve that? Well, they sing it in the song. And they say, For thou wast slain. 
you were tortured. You suffered and died, Jesus. Therefore, you deserve to open the scroll. And hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. You were tortured, suffered, died, and you purchased, you paid the price, Jesus. What does payment deserve? Receipt. Payment for something deserves what you have paid for. You deserve to receive, right? Jesus made a payment. That payment made him worthy to open this scroll and cast out judgment on the unbelievers. But this payment deserves something. What does, his, what does he deserve? He redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred. He purchased, he made the payment for people from every tribe. That word kindred, tribe, family groups. He purchased from every family group. But not just that, from every tongue, every language group, he purchased out of slavery. But not just that, from every people, that word is simply nation. From every nation, he's purchased people. And then we have in English the word nation, which refers us to all ethnicities, all cultures, people from all different or with all different physical traits. So because he died and was slain, he's worthy to open and cast out judgment. But I would suggest to you this morning, we also find because he made the payment, he deserves what he paid for. And what he paid came at a great price. Gifts come at a great price, and he was willing to pay that price. Do you believe Jesus should get what he paid for? How much do you believe that? As I, as I think through this passage, I am reminded of a story in history. Uh, I think first of a man named Charles Wesley. You may have heard of him. He wrote hundreds of songs, hymns, songs. One of those songs he wrote was, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer, the purchaser's praise. Charles Wesley got that. He understood that Jesus was worthy to receive his reward. A man that is, maybe some would say is more popular, is his brother John Wesley. John Wesley is credited to be one of the men that uh, helped the Great Awakening in in Britain. He rode around on horseback hundreds and hundreds of miles. Why? He wanted to share the gospel. How did John Wesley come to the knowledge of Jesus as his Savior? He grew up in a Christian home, but he didn't get saved as a child. In fact, he thought he was a believer. So much so, he wanted to come to the new lands, to Georgia, here in the United States, and he wanted to plant churches among the natives. And as he was traveling on a ship over here, the storms began to be very violent to the point the ship begins to break, and you know what John Wesley, the pastor, does? He gets scared. 
He gets so scared that he's with the rest of the men on the ship, except for these group of these Moravian missionaries who are calm in the midst of the storm. He begins to doubt himself and ask the Moravian missionary, how could you stay so calm? And he goes, the Moravian missionary to John Wesley says, do you know who Jesus is? And John Wesley replies, he's the Savior of the world. The missionary replies quickly back, but is he the Savior of you? John didn't know how to respond. Some months later, he becomes a believer through reading the preface of Romans uh, written by uh, Luther. As a believer, he gets on horseback and goes hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles to go and preach at different churches every day on horseback. Why? Because he believed worthy is the lamb to receive the reward of his suffering. He wanted Jesus to get what he paid for. The Moravian missionaries are said to have uh, a different group, said to have left uh, their, their country in Denmark to go and reach the, uh, uh, the people of India. And as they were leaving the dock, they looked back at their family members and they began to wave. This is how the story goes knowing they may never see their family ever again. And they waved, worthy is a lamb to receive the reward of his suffering. They were willing to give their lives so that Jesus would get what he paid for. Are you willing to give your life so that Jesus gets what he deserves, what he paid for? As we come to the end of, of this text, as we come to the end of the sermon, I want to ask you just a couple questions. Do you believe the command of Matthew 28, 19 through 20? So much so that you would go. It was given to the disciples, but is it a command for me? Well, if they're taught to teach people to obey everything that Jesus commanded them, then that command becomes your command. Are you willing to do that? Now, I understand you as a church have been giving so our family could go. And I know that you as a church have been praying for our family to go. So I believe you believe that. But there's another command that we are taught to obey in Scripture, and that's really what I want to to get you to grasp this morning as we consider Jesus getting what he paid for. Practical application of going out and, and doing everything we can to make sure Jesus gets what he paid for, I believe, begins with us praying. If you could, turn to Matthew 9, verse 37 and 38. Jesus says to his disciples, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Jesus made a payment, and there's not many people that are going out there to see that he gets what he paid for. So Jesus said the remedy for that is what? Pray. 
Verse 38, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into whose harvest? His. He has a harvest out there. He wants us to be praying that people will go into that harvest. Do you believe what Jesus should get what he paid for? Are you praying that people will go and get it? Not just uh, once in a, in a year on our missions emphasis month, but are you doing this daily? You know, one way that I am reminded to do this prayer is I set an alarm on my phone, which goes to my watch, and at 9.38, every morning it goes off, and I pray that God would send laborers into his harvest. But what are you doing to make sure that you remember that you should be praying so that laborers will go? So first, I want to ask you to pray. My second question is this. Has he called you? I have been praying for over three years every day that God would send laborers into his harvest. And this morning is God calling you to go into his harvest so that Jesus receives what he paid for. He deserves it. You listen to missionary Jeremy Lin. For more information, visit our website at bufordroadbaptistchurch.com.